ShareCare, helping you find experts, the top minds in health and medicine. It's ShareCare Radio with Dr. Daria Long Gillespie on RadioMD.com. We're back and this is Dr. Daria. So tell me, are you worried about a quarter-life crisis and do you need to be? I have with me Dr. Funmi Lyo Rochelle. She's a forensic psychiatrist, sounds so cool, here in Atlanta and she is co-author of the book Professionalism in Psychiatry. She's going to tell us all about quarter-life crises and how we deal with it. Funmi, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. First of all, tell us, what is a forensic psychiatrist? It sounds very CSI to me. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that that's the exact comment that everyone says is it just like CSI and I say no it's not at all <laughs> it's not that glorious but I, I really enjoy it so a psychi- I'll start out with just a psychiatrist is a physician who mm-hmm. treats and evaluates individuals for mental disorders mm-hmm. a psychiatrist is an individual myself who has specialized training in answering psychiatric questions that might arise in the legal setting a forensic psychiatrist exactly does it. Got it. exactly so it's kind of that interface between legal and psychiatry mm-hmm. so an example in a criminal setting might be um, asking me to evaluate someone who's committed a crime or alleged to have committed a crime mm-hmm. and getting an understanding if a psychiatric impairment impedes or um, inhibits their ability to understand legal proceedings. Mm-hmm. In a civil manner, that would be, um, I would be asked to evaluate an individual that maybe they had a severe psychiatric impairment. So for example, a severe depression and they required hospitalization and a long leave from work. A employer or licensing agency Mm -hmm. might ask me to evaluate that individual and make sure that they're safe to return to to their job. So for example, a mental health or medical provider might have a big depression and they might ask, Mm -hmm. hey, Dr. Rachelle, can you please evaluate and see if they'll be safe to treat patients? Wow. So, okay, but you still look, you still be the psychiatrist on CSI who is evaluating the criminal. Got it. That's the way I'm anchoring you. Now, what got you interested in the quarter life crisis and this phenomenon? You know, it is increasingly a common presentation that I'm seeing in my psychiatric practice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say, well, why would someone go to a psychiatrist to talk about a quarter life crisis? And what is this phenomenon? So, A quarter-life crisis is not actually a psychiatric diagnosis, Mm -hmm. but what it is is that we often see individuals who are in their mid-20s to mid-30s who are really struggling with a particular core issues. And so some of those issues are, you know, trying to figure out about, you know, career. They're trying, they're struggling with issues related to relationship. They're really struggling with integrating into the real world. Mm -hmm. So many people spend, you know, their early 20s in college or in graduate school and it isn't until when they leave this setting that they're really confronted with wow I have to pay a mortgage wow I have to decide about family mm-hmm. you know what does it mean is how do I balance my career with my profession my professional self with my home self mm-hmm. me being a wife me being a mother mm-hmm it's a lot of transition, a lot. a lot of additional responsibilities. Exactly. Mortgage, yes, that's enough to make anybody a little <laughs> bit depressed. What is the difference between, you know, just a, a, a midlife, a quarter-life crisis and, you know, just being depressed or anxiety? Or are those all kind of components of it? So what I, what I like to say is you can see it on a spectrum. So mm-hmm. quarter-life crisis isn't just the one day you have a concern or you're upset about an issue that's 
occurred in your life. Mm -hmm. But a core life crisis is when an individual really gets stuck. So for example, if they're in a particular career and they've spent so much time invested in you know, time, resources, and they get in the career and they decide, hey, you know, I'm really not happy with what's happening. Mm -hmm. And they find that day after day, they're mulling over, how do I cope with this? How do I move forward? Do I continue? Do I not continue? Mm -hmm. So they're finding reoccurring themes within this one particular issue. That's where you start to see the quarter-life crisis. But what you see on a continuum is that a person that struggles with a quarter-life crisis, sometimes it becomes so ingrained and it begins to impact their level of functioning and it can develop into a depression and anxiety. Really. So sometimes what I even see is that people present further down the spectrum in a quarter life crisis with an actual diagnosable depression. Mm -hmm. Because they didn't get a handle on it to begin with. They didn't. What I always tell people is this, that when there's this particular um, issue that you're struggling with and it continues to reoccur and reoccur and you try to attempt to suppress it, Mm -hmm. it comes out sideways. And what I mean by coming out sideways is that sometimes it manifests in ways that you don't want it to. So it might manifest an increased irritability, angry outbursts, sometimes feeling depressed or feeling sad or even anxiety. Wow. So it's really getting handle on it early. And I really want to get into some actionable tips, but I want to back up a little and talk a little bit more about some of the different drivers. So you talked about in our 20s and 30s, you know, deciding on a career, finding your purpose. Talk a little bit about uh, all of the various things. So there's a, 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 a large amount of contributors that happen when an individual's in their mid 20s to early mm-hmm. 30s. One of the things is this intersection within relationships. So You know, early on in life, we spend time, especially with professionals who you often see this phenomenon occurring, they spend a lot of time developing their professional self. Mm -hmm. And then they're in their profession. And guess what? Now they look up and say, hey, I've got to determine, you know, do I stay in a relationship? Do I foster a relationship? Do I get out of a relationship? And so this is where the intersection with relationships happens. And so some people made are struggling with, should I get married? Should I not get married? Should I remain single? And if they're in a relationship, then becomes a decision, well, do we expand our family? Mm -hmm. Do we have children? Do we not have children? A lot of female professionals really struggle with that. And, and, And this leads me to I see this quite commonly in my practices, a, a very successful professional female, you know, woman who has a child and then the, you know, their whole world is turned upside Mm -hmm. down because, you know, their professional self doesn't seem to integrate just so right with their mommy self. Mm -hmm. So leaving their children at home and struggling with, you know, guilt about that becomes a huge core issue or really struggling with, do I keep the same intensity that I had in my Mm -hmm. career now that I have children? Well, why is this an issue now? It seems like the quarter-life crisis is really when you're transitioning from, I'm young, the whole world is ahead of me, to, oh, wow, I've got to commit, I've got to make some decisions, and I have a lot more responsibilities. You know, did this occur in the 50s and 60s, or is it something about our generation? You know, now we're, we're, we're finding that people are having increased responsibilities quite early on in life. And you're seeing that people now are moving further and further away from their home Mm -hmm. units. So in the past, in the 50s and 60s, people tended to stay in their same area. Mm -hmm. So the the city they grew up, their mother and their father were right up the street. Now people are living cross country. They're living in isolation, which is another huge issue that I'm seeing with individuals who are 
having this transition. And that is they're leaving where their usual support system is and they're integrating into a whole new community, which for many individuals can create a lot of isolation, some loneliness, Mm -hmm. um, which people just didn't have in the past. And it's a lot harder to make friends once you're out of school and out of that environment. Definitely. So go ahead. I want to you know, add another thing that I'm beginning to notice in increasing in our generation now is that what we're seeing is that people are beginning to have to care for their parents mm-hmm. in their 20s and 30s. So this is an issue that didn't happen in the 50s and 60s because people are waiting till later to have children. So that means when their children are in their 20s and 30s, guess what? If they waited till their 40s or mid 40s, they're a lot older. So having to deal with being a caregiver, how do you balance that? This is a whole new issue that's That's a sandwich generation. It is. Take care of your parents Uh and your children at Uh the same time. Uh And and it leads to quarter life crises. So let's talk actionable tips. You know, what are some you know, strategies to before you actually have a quarter life crisis to kind of strengthen your abilities that you don't suffer from that. So one thing I tell people is this, that one of the things we commonly see when individuals have a quarter life crisis is a tendency to isolate, to pull back, Mm -hmm. to try to handle things alone. This is the time not to sit on your couch or not to sit at your desk and web surf. This is the time to leave leave your home, get involved in external interests. So begin to develop yourself outside of your work. I understand that you want to have a successful career. You know, some, sometimes some of my patients I find, they don't know how to relax. They don't know mm-hmm. how to have fun. They don't have any other external interests. Mm-hmm. So when their career is topsy-turvy or they're going through this issue, they have no other healthy outlets. Mm-hmm. So developing that. The other part is exercising, getting out, you know, exercising, creating healthy eating, dietary habits. Mm -hmm. All of these are very important and very critical in kind of helping that work-life balance. Because a lot of times we find with professionals who are in the quarter-life crisis, they're so off kilter with the work-life balance. So let's talk more about that. Why does exercise and nutrition matter? Why does does it it keep you from, I mean, Tell our listeners yes, why it matters. It's, it's so important. One of the things we know about exercise and healthy eating is, one, when you're exercising, you release natural endorphins. So as a psychiatrist, sometimes we have to provide sub, you know, medications to supplement mm-hmm. some of these neurotransmitter systems that are so suppressed and, and minimized. Well, that's a healthy way to get mm-hmm. out there. You know, I, I have some patients that say, you know, I was started to feel really anxious. Doc, I got up. I left what I was doing put on my running shoes Mm -hmm. and ran. And when I came back, I was in a totally Mm -hmm. different mental state. So there is internally different endorphins and catecholamines that are released as you're exercising. That's healthy. The other part is what you're eating. Well, what, you know, people say, well, doctor, why do I have to worry about what I'm eating? Why Mm -hmm. are you talking to me about that? You're a psychiatrist. Stop talking to me about my, what I'm eating. What we know is when you're eating foods that are, you know, high in sugar, we see, you know, huge sugar rushes Mm -hmm. and surges. We see weight gain, which really can contribute to people really feeling having low self-confidence, low Mm self-image. So all of these things end up playing a role. We see people coping with eating or uh, stress by stress eating. Very common to see, especially in women Mm -hmm. with anxiety. But it causes a vicious cycle. Exactly. I know for exercise, I'd say running is my Prozac and my lithium and all of those things all in one. 
But it yes, really does. It, it really can take you from feeling very miserable and frustrated to just clearing your thought right. and feeling I can move forward. So one other thing I want to add about yeah. just getting out of the house is sometimes when you're in a particular setting, so you're in a room, you're ruminating, you're thinking mm-hmm. about it, your mind pairs that environment with these negative thoughts. Hmm. And as you leave, you're confronted with new imagery, new new air, new sights, things that you begin to move out of your mind and out into a different place. So, so this is why it's so important to leave the room, leave the doors. Interesting. Which is also why they say if you have trouble sleeping, like get out of the bed. Ex- so you stop associating the bed with that. Exactly. All right. So that's fantastic. So to prevent, you know, develop other interests, exercise, good nutrition, other other huge thing. I'm a psychiatrist, so I'm, I'm, I, I am a proponent of therapy. I think that one of the things that is really helpful is we all have blind spots. Mm-hmm. And when you enter the process of therapy, it allows you to have the perspective from someone else of helping you to see that blind spot. And for an individual who's beginning to struggle with a quarter life crisis, if they're presenting early on, it's preventative from developing into a depression or developing to yeah. an anxiety to begin to process what is really happening here? Mm-hmm. What are these hard questions? How do I begin to develop answers or, or think outside of my view? You know, putting only looking at the world through my lens, using someone else's lens to help me springboard mm-hmm. ideas and, 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 and help me to just work through all of these feelings that I'm experiencing. So really, again, preventive. If you can get discussion and get these issues out early, it'll prevent you from going into a full-scale depression and worsening. And you're also learning some good skills that you can put into place in your life and family and work. Now, so what are some things, you know, what should one look for in their own life as far as signs that this kind of quarter-life crisis is happening? And it's important to note this can be 20s and 30s, and people can have this late 30s as well, probably even later than that. What are some symptoms to look for if you're that person? And then also, what should their loved ones look for? So number one is, many times you'll find you're comparing yourself. Mm. And when we see individuals who use this, I'm looking at my colleague, I'm looking at my coworker, and I'm being passed over for promotion. They're getting paid this amount. They're getting Mm -hmm. this amount of notoriety and gain. You're finding that you get stuck with that. And then you develop feelings of anger and resentment. Mm -hmm. Many times when you're comparing yourself, you're judging or you're fearful that others are judging where you are. Mm -hmm. In professionals, we often see that many of them struggle with perfectionism. And that is part of one of the core issues when a person is experiencing a quarter-life crisis. Is this linked to a a measure of wanting to be perfect, creating this perfect sense of self? Um, So really, that might be something that we find is an issue or something that if you know that you struggle with that, Mm -hmm. that would be one thing. Another thing is if you find that you really typically function a particular way in your career or in your home setting and you're getting feedback that things are shifting or changing so if you're finding hey I don't want to get out the bed and go to my job anymore I'm really angry every day all the time when I'm in this place when I'm in this space mm-hmm. I'm finding I'm less motivated to do the the typical things I normally would enjoy that might be signals that you're struggling with a quarter-life crisis. Now, many times what I see is that a professional will not exhibit 
any kind of dysfunction in the workplace first. Normally what they'll find is there's conflict or there's issues within their home setting because you have less filter at home. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's that's the first place to go. Um, so the family is often the first to see it. Family is the first to see it. So they may see you have a short fuse. Um, you seem distant. Mm-hmm. You seem disengaged. You may not seem to be happy as you were before. Mm-hmm. Those are some signs that maybe you're experiencing a quarter-life crisis. The other thing I often tell people is when you find that you're laying down and you're trying to go to sleep, Mm -hmm. and that is the one thing you ruminate over one issue over and over again, Mm -hmm. and if it falls under the different things that we've talked about as far as contributors, what happens when you're laying down oftentimes is that although we think sleep is a time that your mind rests, actually it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's the time when your mind allows, you know, all of the defenses and, and things that you're trying to suppress. It's, uh, that's the time that it's uncovered. Right. It starts processing it all. Exactly. And if you find that you're really struggling at night and continue to process these same issues, career, family, relationships, um, you're figuring out, am I, sur- am I going towards my purpose? Mm-hmm. These are key issues or things that you should think, well, hmm, maybe I'm going through a quarter-life crisis. Interesting. So I know a lot of people who say, you know, I, I lay in bed at night, I just can't stop thinking. Mm-hmm. You're saying that is a sign, quarter-life mm-hmm. crisis. So, you know, what do we do? Say you're noticing you have these symptoms, you know, do you go Google psychiatrist or, you know, how do you yeah. find somebody to help? So I, part of it depends on at what point you are in your mm-hmm. quarter life crisis. When would a person need a psychiatrist? Well, a person would need a psychiatrist, A, if they're finding their significant impairment in their functioning. Mm-hmm. So if they're saying, you know, you're getting bad feedback at work, home life is, your finding is dismantling, you're not functioning up to par. Mm-hmm. The reason why you would see psychiatrists is perhaps at that point there's concern that you might have a depression or an anxiety. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. The other, you know, the other part is if you find that this is an issue and you're thinking about it, you don't see a huge change in your functioning, you can. You can look up therapists. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a psychiatrist. There's psychologists mm-hmm. that can, can help you process these issues. There's licensed clinical social workers. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you could look online and look for a therapist that can help you with these issues. Okay. And I know a lot of people worry about their insurance, so look through your insurance first. You, but that's good to know. It doesn't have to necessarily be a psychiatrist unless you think that you're you're affected very severely. Exactly. Otherwise, licensed clinical social workers, psychologists, there are other good options. And a lot of them work together, I know, closely with a psychiatrist. Exactly. I want to touch once more. You talked about comparing yourself to others and uh, you know other strategies. In our last minute, can you give us some any, any pointers on that and strategies? So one thing is we all compare ourselves to mm-hmm. others. So that is natural. So if that thought pops in your mind, I don't want you to say, run away. Don't. I don't want to, you know, stop thinking that. That is unnatural. The reality is to accept that you have that thought, recognize it, accept it, and let it go. Uh-huh. So that means don't chew on it. Say, okay, I'm, 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 I recognize that I'm comparing myself to my friend here or my colleague here. That's okay. What, might, what else might be happening? What is this emotion that I'm feeling? Uh-huh. And get in touch with that 
and then allow it to pass. Okay. And which also will probably help you with those thoughts that are keeping you up at night exactly. as well. Think about it and let it go. Vinmi, thank you so much for joining us. This was fantastic. I know all of our listeners probably want to hear more from her. You can do that at wwwatlanta pcc.com. Again, you can find all of these segments at sharecare.com backslash radiomd and tweet us at sharecare inc or at dr daria. This is dr daria listening to sharecare radio on radio md. 